Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, because basketball is back. We were going to record this podcast a little bit earlier, and then we decided to wait out this doubleheader tonight. And I, I think I can safely say that was a smart decision to do so. I would have regretted it if I realized that we were recording this pod during the fourth quarter of Lakers Clippers. That game was awesome. We'll probably touch on. Any takeaways from, I guess you want to call it opening night, maybe reopening night later on in the pod. But we'll start with Bucks celtics uh, This game is tomorrow night, 5.30, or tonight, I guess, Friday night, as most people will be listening to this. And I guess we've had a little bit of an update in terms of availability of Bucks players, Frank. Yeah, I, and I guess no, no change relative to what we were seeing uh, in the scrimmages, right? We didn't see any of Pat Connaughton and... Eric Bledsoe, and I think by the end, by the end, uh, that third scrimmage, we were uh, observing that uh, yeah, they could really use uh, Eric Bledsoe, and you know, uh, or or anyone else that that can really initiate with the ball. Um, but it sounds like uh, we're not going to get that uh, in the opener here on Friday. Uh, albeit, sounds like we'll get only a limited Kemba Walker on the other side for the Celtics. Kemba's been dealing with, uh, I mean, knee knee issues since even before the suspension of the season and uh even months off have not seemed to sort that out so uh both teams yeah not exactly uh you know not not exactly at, at full strength uh it looks like for for opening night especially the bucks missing obviously their starting point guard entirely and so presumably we will see our you know usual kind of dante plus starters lineup and uh you know We'll see. Obviously, today's games no lack of excitement or intensity, and um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how Bud handles minutes uh, in this one. I wouldn't expect big minute loads, but um, you know, again, Celtics are one of those teams that obviously everybody looks at as you know, and they're in that discussion for if not the Bucks coming out of the East, who's going to threaten them? And so, of course, I'm sure the Celtics want to come out and make a statement, and I'm sure the Bucks want to make their own statement that. You know, no, we're we're still we're still the, the number one seed in the East. You know, don't worry about that. But um, you know, this, this is what we've been waiting for for months. Yeah, it's almost full circle moment. It feels like it. I mean, if we remember, oh, I remember exactly the time when the season went down because I was in a podcast with John Corrales, who does Locked On Celtics, and we were halfway through recording when the tweet came through that the season went down. We were previewing Bucks and Celtics for the next night. So now we come back to this game that we were awaiting. Uh, no, it's not a five-set forum. But as you said, I, I think we saw from tonight that the intensity from two teams, uh, first of all, in the, in the earlier game when New Orleans obviously need to win every game, that's a bit of a, a soul-crushing loss for them. And then Lakers, uh, Clippers, two teams that you know, we're expecting are going to match up in a playoff series, maybe similar to the Bucks and the Celtics. You anticipate that the intensity will be up in this game. Uh, one all in the series so far. I know that doesn't really matter in terms of tiebreakers, but 
uh, maybe a mental edge there. And I'm sure uh, these teams would both want to win because they've been building a little bit of a rivalry over the last few years. Kemba Walker's really interesting. And his season for mine, up and down. He's had his moments. He's certainly struggled with this knee soreness, knee injury that he's had for a while. But across the two games against the Bucks, he's averaged 36 points per game. And remember, in the very, very early stages of the season when the Bucks lost in Boston, he had a huge third quarter when the Celtics went on a big run and were really uh, looking unstoppable there at the Garden. And then back in Milwaukee, this was the game where the Bucks were shooting over 80%, I think, from three nearing halftime. They could not miss. And Kemba Walker was the only one that was putting up points uh, for the Celtics in that one. The Bucks ended up winning by five points. But for the purpose of just this game, and we'll see how this translates through to the playoffs, Kemba Walker, whether you want to look at him with the Celtics this season, if you want to look at him with the Hornets over the years, he's always been a guy that has given the Bucks problems, uh, particularly in pick-and-roll situations, his ability to pull up, shoot the three. We know the Bucks have been susceptible to three-point shooters in the past. Uh, he's been one of the, the key guys that's given the Bucks nightmares. And that second game in Milwaukee that the Bucks end up winning, and they were, it seemed like they were in kind of in more, greater control of that game than it ended up being yeah. with the Celtics kind of making a late run there. But, uh, you know, Kemba, I think in that game, Kemba had a terrible start. And then he played really well in the second half, I recall correctly. And, um, you know, he actually got to the rim a surprising amount uh, in that game. Uh, Daniel Tice was doing his best ceiling slash illegal screening, uh, (laughs) which which he's really good at. You know, he basically set a pick and roll and then, um, basically the, the roll man is not really rolling to, to try to get in the space to catch. He's rolling to try to uh, get in Brooke Lopez's way and basically uh, make it so that he can't get to, uh, uh, to, to block the shot from, especially a guy like Kemba, who obviously is not, you know, Kemba's not dunking over anybody, right? He, he needs to be able to kind of dart quickly to an opening and, and finish. And I thought, um, you know, he was actually gave the Bucks some problems with, with that aspect of his game, which again, as you said, I mean, we always sort of think about like, Oh man, let's pull up threes. Um, but certainly if he's limited, um, it, it obviously does change the complexion of the Celtics a bit. And, um, you know, certainly what we have, we're seeing from them increasingly in the kind of early months of, of this calendar year was obviously, you know, Jason Tatum had, had a, a great spell of play. He kind of came back down to earth a little bit towards the end there right before the season was suspended. Um, but certainly Tatum and, and Jalen Brown um, have been great. I mean, Gordon Hayward's had a very nice back, bounce back year. Um, and on top of obviously, you know, Kemba, if he can get healthy, you know, they have a lot of weapons there, right? I mean, they have like four legit 20 plus scorers uh, on any given night. So, um, certainly, you know, they, they can certainly, I think manage, you know, without Kemba being full strength, but, but obviously if you're going to compete for a championship, obviously, you know, a guy like Kemba, you, you know, you didn't sign him thinking like, oh yeah, he'll be, you know, he'll be, you know, like a shell of himself or something <laughs> like that. And, and we'll compete for a championship. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, again, if he's minutes limited, then certainly uh, that puts the ball more in the hands of, of Tatum in particular. And, uh, and then, you know, Jalen Brown, maybe to a little bit lesser extent. So I, I would imagine we'd see Wes Matthews on Tatum, you know, kind of bearing the load since Tatum's probably going to be, you know, more active as a ball handler initiator. So, and you put Wes on him and, uh, and give Chris, a, I don't want to say, I don't want to make it seem like defending Jalen Brown is like an easy job, but, um, but you know, he's a little bit less of a, an attacker off the dribble, um, more of a kind of secondary guy. Um, so, 
Uh, so yeah, and it should be a good matchup for, for sure. Uh, you know, di- multiple positions, I think are going to be um, really fun matchups. And, you know, I think certainly when you look at um, Celtics lineup, especially, you know, when they're trying to put those four guys out there with, with like Tice, you know, the obvious question is, okay, so, you know, who's, who's guarding Giannis and, and can the Bucks continue to take advantage of the lack of size, right? I mean, we've seen Marcus Smart try his hand at, at Giannis on a number of occasions. I thought he did a nice job, especially in the first game uh, against Giannis. I think collectively had a lot less luck slowing down Giannis in uh, the Milwaukee fixture the last time these team, two teams played. So, um, so, yeah, I think certainly I would expect, you know, Celtics are going to go smaller. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, Tice, I think, is a really – really nice fit with them. He's not like a prolific three point shooter. You can do that from time to time, but um, you know, certainly compared to what we've seen the Celtics do in previous years where they kind of pick and pop the bucks to death with Al Horford. Um, that's not really kind of the way they're set up right now. You know, if Cantor and, uh, and uh, Tice are getting the most minutes, you know, Robert Williams, maybe he's thrown in there, but he's also, he's the worst shooter out of all those guys. So um, so yeah, it should be interesting. You know, the talking points of, of kind of how we thought these teams would match up a year ago, I think are, has changed a fair bit simply because of, you know, swapping in Tice for Horford and, and not having kind of that, um, that maybe that, that quite the same stretchiness, but, um, you know, obviously a lot of the same faces that, uh, that we saw when the Bucks beat them, uh, in five games in the playoffs. And I don't know. Yeah. Just, it's always a fun matchup. Cause I mean, I mean, heck, I, you know, I lived in Boston for 15 years, so I, I hate the Celtics. Uh, so obviously I'm, I'm, fi- I'm, I'm fired up uh, hoping for a win on Friday night. <laughs> but, so, and, I'm, and I haven't even had to lace it up against those dudes. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll see how much agitation there is from, from Marcus Smart. And uh, obviously Bucks, uh, you know, everybody wants to start well. And, um, you know, I, obviously Kane, you know, we want to see, we want to see that uh, at least seven wins out of eight games. So you can get 60, that 60 win mark (laughs) in the abbreviated season. All right, Frank, say it with me now. Sports are back, baby. Okay. Well, you don't have to then, but I've been waiting for this day since March. And now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind. My bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game winning shot, all in one. I love it, you love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting. Today, MyBookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams with the start of Major League Baseball here. There's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the futures, and in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. That's code LOCKEDONNBA. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Size for the Celtics is always what I come back to, and not necessarily in a one-off game like tomorrow, but over the course of a seven-game series. He mentioned Al Horford and the fact that Tice has come in. And Tice has been pretty fantastic, honestly. He's improved dramatically this season. But when you look at the minutes per game for Tice and Cantor, just against the Bucs, so it's only two games, but Tice has averaged 25 minutes per game, then Cantor's played 15. So they have been going small for... Yeah, eight to ten minutes per game. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone, as you just mentioned. 
Part of the problem is, though, when Giannis gets downhill, yes, you have to put a smaller guy on him on the perimeter, and then Tice or Cantor, you're going to back Giannis to get to the free throw line or finish uh, at the rim. Cantor, in those minutes, is averaging seven fouls per 36 minutes, and Daniel Tice is averaging six fouls per 36 minutes, and Giannis has averaged 15 free throw attempts per game across those two games. Now, unfortunately, he only hit 53% of those, but uh, we're not going to talk about that fact. But the fact that he was getting to the line 15 times per game marries up with what you see with the size difference. And I think that clearly it's the biggest deficiency for the Celtics, even withstanding the improvements Tice has made in a matchup against the Bucks. certainly in a potential first-round matchup against Philadelphia and Joel Embiid, who's had big-time performances against the Celtics over the years. So Giannis is averaging 27 points, 15.5 rebounds and six assists against the Celtics in those two games. He physically has been able to overwhelm them, even though, as you mentioned, Marcus Smart at times has done a good job of frustrating him. Yeah, and I mean, I think the especially you know the uh, like the first game in particular with the foul trouble that we saw from Giannis. Obviously, I think that's that's probably my biggest concern is just you know just just Smart flop his way to mm-hmm. to a couple of like charges that that puts Giannis in foul trouble. Um, so th- that would be kind of be my concern. Um, and the, the interesting thing, I mean, you look at the Celtics roster, right? Their oldest player is Brad Wanamaker, who's 30. Uh, who's <laughs> actually had a pretty, a pretty nice year for them um, and, and has been relied on more probably than they'd want as their backup point guard. Um, but, you know, Kemba and, and Gilbert Gordon Hayward, 29 years old. Um, you know, so it's not like they're, they're just super, super young. Um, but those guys, obviously, I mean, they're not, they're not old. Uh, and then you've got a lot of young guys. I mean, Marcus Smart's 25, Cantor's 27. Um, but then you've got a lot of guys who are either young or, or just very inexperienced. And obviously Tatum and Brown are still very young relative to, to their profiles at 23 and 21, uh, Tatum 21, Brown 23. Um, but, you know, you kind of start to get into that bench. And, you know, yeah, Wanamaker's fine. But, you know, I mean, he yeah. averages seven points a game. You know, well, like he's like – You're not scared of him. You know. You're you're not scared of him, right? Uh, Cantor's you know averaging eight points a game this year, you know, in in, in eighteen minutes. So whatever, Cantor's can still obviously play and frustrate you uh, offensively, but you know defensively, obviously you can take advantage of him. Grant Williams, I think, has been a really nice piece as a rookie, but you know again, he can't make a shot to save his life at least so far this year. Semi Ojale, very similar, you know, guys that obviously have some physical tools, especially defensively. I think Grant Williams, really good passer, kind of good decision maker, but um, you know, like it's it's kind of hard to kind of look at him and be like, oh, well, you know, that's a guy we can't match up with or, or whatever. And then, you know, you kind of go down the line. I mean, Robert Williams, Romeo Langford started to get some minutes. Javante Green, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier. Poirier. I don't even – I've never even heard his name said out loud. Um, and, of course, the immortal Taco Fall. So they're kind of a weird team because, you know, I mean, we've sort of been gearing up for the Celtics for years now. Like, oh, the Celtics are coming, they're coming, they're coming. Uh, and they're still really good. Um, but they're still actually like a surprisingly young team. Like Danny Ainge did not go out and get like a bunch of vets uh, to, to kind of beef up that roster, which, um, you know, is a choice. Uh, you know, it's kind of different. It's, it's kind of funny to think about it, you know, when you think about where each of these teams was, like, say, three years ago. Um, you know, that the Bucks are now this, like, grizzled old team with basically Giannis at 25 being the young guy, and obviously Dante, but, you know, but, but that's kind of the exception versus uh, the Celtics now are, you know, sort of these mid, 
kind of middle veteran types of, you know, Hayward and Kemba it's surrounded by otherwise a very, very young team. So, um, so yeah, I, I think they're going to be, uh, you know, they're definitely a dangerous team. And I think it's only natural here as, as we kick off these seeding games, like everybody's going to looking around a little bit and just sort of trying to figure out like, all right, well, where, where are these teams at? You know, are they, what teams kind of come out gangbusters looking really good early on, which teams don't. Um, and obviously, you know, nobody wants to get out to a slow start, even if a team like Bucks, again, the pressure is not, you know, not really on them per se to, to come out. And, you know, they don't, it's not like you said, like the Pelicans are a team that has to go and win games right now for their playoff lives. So obviously the Bucks are in the opposite position there. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, we were talking about the minute loads and, and <laughs> some of the, aside from Zion, who, who continues to sort of just play fewer minutes than ever, anybody ever expects, um, LeBron, AD, all these other guys, you know, the stars tonight all played pretty much regular season minute loads. There was no real easing in for those guys. So um, I think we're all curious, you know, is Bud, would Bud actually, you know, what, what would it take to get Bud to actually play Giannis 30 minutes uh, in the opener on Friday night? I, I don't know. I don't know what the odds are on that. Um, I don't know what the over-under should be on Giannis minutes or Chris minutes, but um, certainly the, their baseline generally is, is much lower anyway with what we've seen from them all season. Just one last number in relation to Giannis and what you might look for or what you might uh, look to expect from the game. Enos Kanter has played 30 minutes, as I said, total across the two games. Uh, sorry, that was only in one game. He played one game, 15 minutes in that game, but he was minus 10 in that time. And I would su- suspect that when he's on the floor, you're probably looking for Giannis to be out there and take advantage of that all right, just a quick note about our friends over at Axios. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Jason Tatum has been interesting. Well, let me ask you this question, actually. Who do you think... Behind Kemba, obviously, because I've already mentioned he averaged 36 points per game across the two games. Who has average the most points as a Celtic this season against the Bucks in those two games outside of Kemba, obviously. Uh, I, I don't, uh, man, I don't, the most annoying answer would be Marcus Smart, but I'm, I'm not correct. sure if that's, <laughs> oh, there we go. That's correct. And you know what the craziest number about that is? He's averaging 48% from three on just a tick under 11 attempts per game. So if there's anything that could annoy you more about Marcus Smart playing well against you, defending, drawing fouls, it's him turning into a 50% shooter on 11 attempts per game. So uh, the other thing worth noting, Jalen Brown hasn't played in either of those games uh, yet to this point as well. So that's a look they haven't had because Jason Tatum has taken the load. We know he really, really, really struggled in that playoff series against the Bucks last season. So far this year, He's averaging 21 points per game, but on 21 shots, and uh, he, he field goal percentage of 42.9%. So uh, he struggled again against the Bucks to shoot the ball. One guy that hasn't, and it would be remiss of us to get through this podcast without mentioning this man, Chris Milton, just continued his Celtics domination this season. 24.5 points, six rebounds with 64-54-88 shooting splits in the two games this year. I'd say his outside shooting has been a little bit off in the three scrimmage games. If there was ever a team that Chris Middleton was going to turn it around against, it's got to be this one, right? Hopefully. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's sort of funny. I, I, I am, uh, I'll say this, I am skeptical. I mean, he, he has a lot more, you talk about 50, 40, 90. Chris has a lot more room 
to miss shots from three than he does for the 50, right? The 50% is going to be the hardest. That's where he's literally, I think one made one made shot under 50%, but that's also, you know, you know, he's been right around 40%, you know, typically that's where he's at, you know, year to year for his three point shooting, but obviously 50% would be by far a career high uh, from, from the field. So um, yeah, I mean that, that I'm going to be curious uh, when he, you know, if, if he can actually continue to threaten that 50, 40, 90 number, cause um, there's not going to be, he's not going to have a lot of time to sort of, you know, get his bearings, get his sea legs. Cause he only get eight games. And obviously if he has some, you know, crooked shooting lines, the first couple of games can be pretty hard to make up for that. So I, that's, you know, statistically that's probably the most fun sort of subplot uh, we might argue. Um, I'm also, uh, I guess if we're just talking about statistical subplots here for the last eight games, um, obviously Giannis, I mean, I think it, I don't think he's got any real chance at breaking 30 points per game just because I just don't think he'll play enough. Um, but that would obviously would be incredible if he actually got over 30 points per game. Um, for for an entire season uh he's at 29.6 right now and then um you know he's only he's only what 30.7 percent i think from three right now um it would be sad to me if he ended up under 30 percent for the season i mean he's been above 30 for the vast majority of it after that slow start from three so uh i i personally would you know feel much better if you could let's get let's get over 31 that, that's my hope let's get over 31 percent uh, three point shooting from Giannis. And then I don't know, I'd have to look, uh, since obviously I'm, I'm Giannis obsessed when it comes to stats, I'd have to look, but, um, I'm not sure reasonably how high he's going to be able to get that free throw percentage and just, you know, with just eight games left. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, if for no other reason than hopefully just building confidence and feeling good from the line going into the playoffs, hopefully we see a lot more of, you know, the shooting that we've seen these last couple of days, uh, from, from the foul line. Cause obviously that's going to be yeah, this is not. It's not something you're going to want to be carrying into the playoffs. Him, you know, being inconsistent and and feeling like he's leaving points on the table because you know, we saw that last year. He did that certainly against the Raptors in particular, and obviously hurt them. So, of course, the the main thing we're looking for here is to get everyone through healthy. Uh, a couple of days off, so the Bucks will be back at it on Sunday against the Rockets. So we'll wait and see what happens with Bledsoe and Pat Connaughton in in that regard. Obviously, Bledsoe's got a couple of days over Pat there. And also Marvin. I mean, I, I think if we're looking at things that we're trying to get out of these eight games, certainly you'd love to see him play in a lot of those. Uh, doubtful for tomorrow, which to me is basically out. I mean, if you're doubtful for this game, it doesn't seem like there would be any points in taking any risks with a guy that you figure is going yeah. to be pretty important uh, for this Bucks team. We spoke about him a lot. So what what is there? Which, which actually sucks. Which which really sucks because this is actually like the Celtics are actually a good team. team that yeah. I, I would be yeah. yeah I would be very interested to to see actually um, him out there against a team like the Celtics. And, and again, the Celtics don't necessarily their big men don't really shoot threes. So it's not necessarily a team where going small with Giannis at the five is like a mandatory thing just from a matchup perspective defensively or something like that. Because you're worried about Brooke, you know, not being able to to keep up. Like again like Tice will, will shoot, you know, a pick and pop three, but he's not, you know, prolific with it. Um, famous last words probably, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it would definitely be interesting, especially if Boston were to go really small, um, you know, to see that, that look. And I think as we've discussed, um, you know, putting Marvin out there with Giannis and Chris, I mean, just gives you so much flexibility and versatility from a defensive standpoint. Um, and, and certainly when you think about the Celtics and, 
you know, the fact that obviously they want to have, you know, in, in the highest leverage moments, they want to have Hayward, uh, Tatum and Brown all out there. And obviously, you know, maybe not tomorrow night just due to the minutes restriction, but you know, you throw Kemba out there. I, I, I believe if I remember correctly, they basically have not gone to, you know, probably their best five play, you know, the, the nominal best five players, Kemba, Smart, Hayward, Tatum, Brown. Um, I mean, obviously that's a very small group up front, especially, I mean, very small group at the center spot, basically, whoever's having to play center. Um, I don't think they've really gone to that. If I remember correctly, I think I remember hearing someone say, like, they really haven't used that lineup at all this year. Um, but if certainly if they ever did that, that is where you would really want to see, you know, the Bucks be able to match with, you know, Giannis, who can defend, obviously, you know, those those three wings, but then can also just physically overpower them, right? And we've seen that in, over the last few years, like Jalen and, uh, and Tatum, especially when he gets the ball, you know, inside 15 feet, there's just not much you can do with him. He's just so long and, and just physically, uh, you know, domineering down low, right? All, all you can almost hope is to put Smart out there to sort of just be a little, like, gnat that bugs him and flops and you know you just hope that basically the refs uh make some bad choices but uh but yeah it's it's a uh, it's definitely a fun team to kind of think through matchups and uh, obviously it would have been nice to see marvin because as we've discussed he's one of the few guys you know he's really the only guy that doesn't have a lot of reps with this group uh over the last you know year and a half two years um so so it goes hopefully he'll be good to go by by game two but we'll see yeah, totally agree. I mean, when we when we talk about matchups and where you want Marvin Williams in there, we've said this because probably tomorrow night or tonight at some point, you're going to see some Ursa maybe caught <laughs> in isolation situations trying to defend one of Brown uh, or Tatum. And we said that before, we feel a little more comfortable with Marvin Williams in that situation. Before we wrap this up, was there anything you saw tonight in particular in relation to the to the gameplay, to everything we've sort of spoken about that stood out to you, I must admit, I, I'm not a fan of the virtual fans. And I don't know, are any of the listeners like getting involved in this? Are they going to have their heads on the screens? I'm not sure. Maybe it's a cool thing for the fans. To me, it looks a bit silly. I would just be fine with having the, the video boards with the team logos or whatever behind it. I'm not sure I'm all that into the virtual fans. I... I'm so when I first heard about it, I I heard discussions around how they were going to pipe in like live sound mm. um, as well, and I I haven't really been able to tell if they're doing that or I, I don't know. It's certainly not like you feel like you're at a home game yeah. or something like that because of it. It I don't know. Like it's it's sort of weird. The 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 noise in the building is is I mean it's not like just dead quiet. Uh, but it's, I, I can't really, I don't really, I mean, you, you notice like the small things, like, I mean, I noticed that the quote unquote home team has the announcer get excited for them. <laughs> yeah. The PA yeah. announcer, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is pretty funny. The fact that the PA announcer gets excited for the home team. And when he calls out who scores for them, but then when the opponent scores, the guy has to act like he's, you know, disappointed. <laughs> it feels kind of, kind of put on in general. Um, but but yeah, I, I don't know uh, the the virtual fans. I I mean, this is one of those things that literally could change like game to game, right? As mm-hmm. they experiment, and try to figure this out. So I I don't know. I mean, I the thing I like about it is just that I at least see some like to see just nothing or no movement behind the sidelines would be a little weird. So just the fact that there's kind of stuff going on in the background like feels 
aesthetically more correct, you know, as, as okay. you know, when we think about just mimicking what our, we're used to seeing um, during games. So, um, I, I mean, whatever, like I'm, I can't say I'm interested necessarily in, you know, having to sit in front of my computer uh, <laughs> all game and, and watch it that way. Cause I'm usually watching on TV, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's cool. I mean, I, I think it's, I'm glad, I'm glad they're trying some stuff. Right. Um, I will say this. I was uh, watching the Bucks games. Uh, we were tweeting about this. I liked for free throws. They have that like sideline cam thing, uh, which gives you a nice perspective on the trajectory of the ball as the guy shoots it, which I like because as I was tweeting to you, if Giannis is going to miss in particular Giannis, I want to, you know, he's usually short when he misses. I want to be able to see it. So I'm like, you know, emotionally prepared when it breaks that I can just see it was going to be short. Uh, and so I actually like that camera angle that they were sometimes sprinkling in. Uh, and I was specifically, I, I called out how I hate the, like over the backboard cam, which normally like they use for dunks and tip-ins and things like that. But like Fox sports would use that for free throws as well. But I find that just very disorienting and everything just looks like all wrong and like it's going to miss. And so I, I just, again, first, very first world problems. I do not like the backboard over the backboard cam. And I had not noticed that during the buck scrimmages. I saw it used tonight during the Laker game my heart sank a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Cause I, I was hoping we were over using the, over the backboard cam to show free throws, but you know what? Um, life's not perfect, but uh, I guess I'll just have to accept that we have NBA basketball back and just take some solace in that. So that is my extremely deep cut NBA game production comment for the night. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought in general it was uh, the games and the scrimmages that we've seen. I mean, I think, they feel pretty normal, like more normal than I, than I would have expected. Let me put it that way. All right. That's totally fair. But as far as this podcast goes, if anyone missed a couple of episodes during the week, we had a couple of cool guests on. We had Steve Novak going back a couple of days ago. That was really interesting. Just sort of just bouncing some ideas off him in regards to shooting. Obviously, a lot of Giannis talk there. Kyle Korver, what effect he believes and he knows from his experiences are really elite shooter can have moving into a team and talking to a, maybe veteran players that have been around the league for a while and helping them improve. So the, the Steve Novak pod, I, I found really interesting. And then yesterday we had Camille Davis, who I'm sure a lot of you know from Twitter and the technical fail podcast as well. She came on and that was also just a really fun chat. I've been chatting with her for a while and trying to make that happen. So I was glad we got to squeeze those two in. So uh, I, I, don't I, know when I was the, all, I, I listened to both of them. I was also glad. I, I mean, we, we t- um, DM'd about, you know, questions for Steve and, and, yeah. you know, I kind of, I mean, I don't think it was anything you wouldn't have asked, but I was certainly interested in the, the his thinking around, you know, uh, teaching people to shoot by osmosis, right? Like there's always that fan hope that the prolific three point shooter is going to rub off on Giannis somehow. Um, so I thought some of his points there, were, were really interesting and, and just generally like, you know, talking about the free throw stuff. I mean, a lot of it, I think, you know, sort of jives with what we've typically assumed, you know, would be the case. Um, but good to have, you know, one of the best shooters in NBA history, uh, you know, offer, <laughs> offer his confirmation. <laughs> and, uh, and Camille, I thought was awesome yesterday. I mean, um, it's always fun when you've had, you know, people that, um, that, you know, I know from Twitter, 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, we're kind of through different things like, you know, Danny, who did our first did our theme song, you had Danny on, um, that was, that was really fun. Um, you know, Justin Johnson, AKA Justin Superbuck, who I've, I've actually met Justin, Justin in person in, in Austin during Austin City or, uh, South by Southwest a number of years ago. Uh, so I've, I've met, uh, some people, I know some people via Twitter and it, it's always been, it's been very fun that you had a number of people on who are you know, more in kind of our like fan, like super fan Bucks Twitter type type world. So, and I thought Camille was great and it's obvious she podcasts cause she, uh, even, exactly. even, you know, exactly. even, even, with, even with, even with you Kane, you know, I mean, you know, you're, you're okay, I guess, I guess you're okay, Kane, but, uh, she, 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 you know, she played off you very well and you, and so it was, it was good. So yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, you, you mentioned it to Steve, right? <laughs> I mean, you've been holding down the fort here, getting all these great guests for months and months and months. Hopefully people have, uh, you know, enjoyed or, you know, been able to use this. I mean, I guess I can't say it's an escape because we're talking about, you know, I don't know how much time <laughs> we spent devoted to talking about, you know, coronavirus and what it means for upending basketball and all that. But, um, but hopefully people have felt like, you know, they've had at least some, some sports talk and, and some, you know, buck stuff to, to tide them over. But, uh, I don't think anybody is happier to have actual basketball to talk about and watch uh, than us at this point. So I know uh, I'm excited. I've, I've been kind of, you know, letting you do, I mean, you do usually do the heavy lifting, but I've especially been letting you do the heavy lifting the past couple months. So uh, thank you for doing that. And um, a big shout out to you and all the people that you've uh, coaxed and cajoled into, uh, into appearing on the pod in, in my stead, which I think is really added to, to hopefully everybody's experience listening to the pod. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to talk about basketball again, Milwaukee Bucks basketball. Yeah, I'm an absolute pest. That's how I've, I've managed to get through this. I just, uh, I just keep asking people until someone eventually says yes. But no, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, and no doubt, just from a pure planning point of view, I, I'm so excited that the Bucks are going to be playing basically every second day now. So it's like, I don't even need to think about this. I watch a game and we get on and we bullshit and we have some fun. So that's going to be uh, really good. And one last thing, and this is almost me asking for help here. I'm going to try something that I, I've never tried before. I've never done anything like this, but I'm here in Australia. I'm a long way away. I normally watch the games with people. So if anyone's ever heard of Hot Mike, that, that I was planning on doing this before I left Milwaukee. I'm going to try it tomorrow. There's no guarantees that it's going to run perfectly because I've never done any type of streaming at all. Basically, all it is is we can hang out and watch the game. You'll be able to see me. It doesn't mean you can't listen to the commentary, but you'll hear any of my uh, maybe swearing, my frustrations, my uh, thoughts on the game if you want to do that at some point. I haven't asked Frank to come on yet because I don't know if it's going to work 100% correctly the first time, but if it does... Through the playoffs, it might be a fun thing as well. All you have to do is download the Hot Mic app. There's a code Kane414, and then you'll be able to follow me, and then we'll be able to watch these games. So I'm going to try this for the Celtics game. So if you download the app, and all you have to do is hold the app up to your TV, it'll sync my stream to what you're watching. So hopefully we're in tune with each other, and then we can just we can just hang out and watch the game. It's not not play-by-play or anything like that. It's purely fun. And then, you know, it's, it's my goal down the road, if this, if this works, to drag Frank on for a game. Uh, because I've heard, Frank gets, I've heard Frank gets pretty fired up during these games. That's a rumor I've heard, even though we've never watched a game together. 
Uh, I can get pretty animated. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's just say, let's hope that Giannis's free throw shooting is, uh, has improved by the time we do that because, uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've, I have a short fuse at times. And the, the problem is now the bucks being so good. I take losses way more personally <laughs> yeah, than I used to. Right. So, you know, I take it like, I mean, it's like literally like, you know, we're supposed to be the best team. So if you lose, then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you feel like some other team is, is taking what's yours. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, my wife, let's just say my wife, um, has given me some very like what is wrong with you stairs uh, during some late games of late moments of bucks losses where I've been uh, yeah, very negative And, and, and uh, it's, you know, when it's the worst, it the, it's the worst when teams are just like hitting three after three after three against the bucks. And, you know, I mean, it's like that helpless feeling like these dudes just can't miss like that Denver game. Yes. I, I must have like, you know, punched a pillow like, I don't know, a half dozen times in that game because I was just so frustrated. I mean, I was like a kid who wasn't getting what he wanted uh, watching the freaking Nuggets just make every goddamn three-pointer. And what was that like? That was some crazy thing too, right? Like they had played the night before in some crazy situation and it was like they should have been all tired and they were missing a bunch of dudes and they still had a bunch of threes. That game just still sticks out, still sticks in my craw a little bit. But, um, you know, that's the, that's the thing when your team loses so few games, like the, everything just is sort of more memorable, the, the, the bad nights. So, uh, hopefully we won't have too many more, too many more of those, uh, here in the next few months and hopefully we'll have a long and ultimately a rewarding season. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm getting a little anxious just thinking about it because it really is. I mean, it's a championship or bust at this point, right? Like there's no, there will be no satisfaction in, in anything less than that expectations are rough let's just say that when you have expectations of winning it can make it uh, a lot more difficult but there's your incentive if you want to see frank punching pillows on the stream we have to make this thing a success so we'll see if we can get this thing rolling i guess i'll try and sort my stuff out uh here and figure this out but bucks and celtics 5 30 tonight it's on fox sports wisconsin jim and marcus are on the call if you want to listen to espn it's mike breen jvg Mark Jackson, unfortunately, you know, so you can you can decide what you want to watch in that game. But we can't wait. The season restarts. We're looking forward to it. And we'll be able to recap that game on the pod after it's done. For Frank and myself, stay safe and we'll speak to you guys soon.